in five, four, three, two, one. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Wine Thursday podcast, where some of us will be drinking some wine, but all of us will be definitely talking some shit. I'm one of your co-hosts, Aya. And as per usual, we have Avery. What's good? Bryn. What up? And Mario. What's good? And today, we have a very special guest. Well, he's one of our friends. We've had a privilege of meeting over Twitch and Discord. Um, he's also a professional chef. Please welcome Chef hey. Dylan! Hey, yo! Yay! What's up? What's up? Kind of nice. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Tired, but, you know. Felt that. I've been catching some of your streams. You're now a Twitch streamer, affiliate. Congrats. Let's go. Let's go. How is it going for you now? Uh, it's pretty good. See, I only started streaming like maybe two weeks ago. I'm almost at 100 followers. I'm at like Damn. 17, 17 subs right now. Dude, nice. Yeah, it, awesome. it's been going slowly but surely, but it's been a lot of fun. I kind of like touched on it like in your little intro. What do you work as right now? And where are you based in? So I'm in San Diego. Uh, officially, I'm a prep cook at a uh, barbecue restaurant. So I do the overnight. So I wash the smoker. I prep all the meat. I make all of our sauce. On the side, I do uh, private events. So I do a little private catering. I do some private chef gigs for like families and whatnot. Yeah, I also kind of touched that like, you know, we, well, we met over Discord first, pretty much all of us. I don't remember exactly when. I just know that, it, like, we all just started, like, interacting a lot. Do you remember how, like, we kind of came, like, became friends? Um, I think we were in Joshi's Discord. Right. And then I think I just came in and he dragged me in. That used to be the hub. Yeah. <laughs> I guess all, a lot of our mutual, like, point is Josh. It was really cool, like, finding out that you were a chef. I don't know. I was really excited to find someone else who was, like, really into food as much as, as I am. I, I've told, like, everyone here at the podcast and, like, our listeners and stuff that, like, I'm an aspiring chef. To meet someone who has, like, a really big thing for food is, like... <sighs> yeah, it's it's actually really exciting because not a lot of people, like, eat like I do and, like, eat as much out and, like, want to experience different restaurants and different kinds of cuisine and, like, actually just want to talk about it rather than just eat it. So it's, like, it's been really cool. Well, I have, like, a lot of, like, big name inspirations, like... Roy Choi, like I keep talking about it, but like Roy Choi, Wolfgang Puck, Wana Lee, like Daniel Udidi. Like it's always great to like meet people like you who's like, you know, kind of more like everyday people, but who are st yeah. still like pursuing their passion, especially with food. I'm sure you can attest to the fact that like pursuing your culinary as a career isn't like super easy. I just wanted to hear like your backstory of like how you came to pursue the life of a chef and like what started your passion and how you, you continue to like nurture that into like a professional career you know a lot of my earliest memories are like in the kitchen so like my grandma used to come from this from the philippines and would come take care of the kids while my parents were out working or whatever and so like a lot of my earliest memories are just like me being held by her or like being on her back and just like watching her slave over dinner for hours on end mm -hmm. so i learned a little bit there and then just learning how to cook to survive everyone like my sisters had moved out my family was like my parents were working so i had to like learn just how to cook basic things mm -hmm. so then i started going to college and i started just eating struggle meals so like just like ramen and like cheese sandwiches and shit 
<laughs> and then I dropped nice. I dropped out of college um, because I was going for music and music education, but then I realized I didn't want to cheat anymore. So I started just working. So I started working in restaurants when I was uh, the first restaurant I worked at was at like 18, 19, something like that. You know, I started from the bottom. So I started I started washing dishes. Then they moved me to uh, they moved me to front of the house. Mm. So I was like busing, serving. Eventually, I went back to the dish pit, and then I started working on the line. And so from the line, now I'm a prep cook. I've been there for like six, seven months now. And that's where I've learned like a lot of my cooking other than like doing my own research and just like fucking around. I've always had like like a very similar passion for food, especially like mainly through family, especially through like my late grandparents. I like whatever they, they fed me. And if I really liked it, then I, I wanted to try to recreate it, even though it was like it didn't always turn out so good. My first restaurant job, well, it was my only restaurant job, was also at like 19, and it was in San Francisco. And Avery and Mario have seen me work there. That it's called Brenda's, and it's it was like two blocks from school, like one of their locations, and oh, it was so good. It was it was such a great place. What ultimately, I guess, launched you into private catering, and or just even like this is what I want to do. Like, what was that? What was that moment, or was it mm-hmm. over a course of? you getting to how you said like you're working on the line now um was it that Mm. moment or was it any time before that it was mostly because like i would just cook for my friends whenever they would come back into town like all at the same time i would be like hey let me cook for you just like it'd be like simple stuff like just like pastas and whatnot um and they were like dude this shit this shit's really fucking good and so like they would keep asking me to do it so i kind of fucked myself with that but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah they would just keep asking me to do it and It'd be like groups, it's not like there's like three or four people, it's like 11, 12, 13 people at the same time. So I'm just cooking by myself lots of food for a lot of people. And that's what really started me like wanting to do like private gigs and private catering and whatever. Yeah, I'm really similar where I've always liked cooking for other people. The rest of my co-hosts have been either living with me or basically living with me for the last three years. And I've always been the person to put out the meals basically if it was at home if anything it was like hot pot if it was steak and pasta honey honey walnut prawns for a lot of them too um honey walnut prawns. oh my god maybe honey <laughs> walnut <laughs> taro bread oh dude mm. the taro bread and the taro bread but that like me fucking up all the time like the recipe because i double it basically but then i wouldn't double like I think it's the flour, <laughs> but it turned out into like a big loaf that was like super soft and like it like would feed everybody for like two weeks. That shit was nutty. It was really good. It was a happy accident that that one. The orange <laughs> chicken too, that was also like. Oh, and that too. I remember <laughs> that. I remember um, that. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a point where we were like because me and Aya just kept going to Pan Express and then it was kind of just like I want to try this at home and they're like all right and it worked out. She did it like on the even though the first try. Was it wasn't even I don't really think there was some kind of something we might have missed I don't remember what it was but everyone else in the house was just like this tastes fucking amazing like <laughs> it doesn't even where was the mistake <laughs> oh. nice <laughs> um <laughs> but very like rewarding cooking for other people and then them telling me that it was really good I'd always almost not eat what I'd make because like you know that process when you're like making something for other people or like cooking and then for some reason like I, I think as you're tasting along. Yeah, like you get full. Yeah. It tends to be the case. Yeah, it's the same. And like people like ask me like, oh, come sit down and like eat with us. Like, yeah, I'll sit down. And then it bothers them that I'm not eating. 
I've already eaten like at least a portion's worth because I've been cooking for like three, four hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was always just like random bursts of, I feel like making this today, or I feel like remaking this. And then mm -hmm. because I lived, basically all lived together, people would come over or I would just make like double portions or like a big pot or something. Like if it's, right. even if it was just like chicken tenola or like nalaga or something like that, I would just, mm -hmm. here's a, here's a giant batch. And I text everyone saying like, all right, you guys can come and eat if you want. I also kind of wanted to ask my fellow co-hosts, I think because we've talked about it, your current or like future career goals and like, yeah, similar to how Avery asked, like, what was that moment that made you want to pursue like this goal and like how you're like nurturing the idea to continue it? I feel like work experience in general was hard to get the ball rolling for me just because my dad didn't want me to work. He grew up in hotels and restaurants. My grandparents had a restaurant. He had to help him with it. He's worked like three or four jobs at one point while he was in college. He was like, I just don't want you guys to have to experience that. But also like y'all aren't funding me. So <laughs> like I need pocket cash. And it's me at like 19. So my first job uh, was at a boba shop in a dessert cafe. I think that really, that kind of drive just to, I want to work. I want to experience something. Leading into that, what I was describing as like, what was that moment? And I think it's a lot of personal choices of like gut feelings being like, I need to go experience something. Most, I've said it before in other episodes, a lot of my life was pretty sheltered, I would say. And I think being in college and in the city, I was like, I need to experience the world. I want to understand more. And ultimately what led up to teaching TLDR version was a lot of, I want to just put my hand into the pot, see what it's like. And if I don't like it, then I'm a bounce. And it was a huge gamble because I fell into the Asian stereotype of either being a nurse or a doctor. And when I was like, I'm going to be a teacher, my parents were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not sending you to a oh, private no. institution <laughs> to, to get a liberal arts degree. Like, th that's not what's happening. Oh. Um, and so I think all, all of those things kind of combined. In part, something I wanted to do for myself because I, I still wanted to help people in some sort of fashion like that, in that essence of healthcare and just community health. And so that kind of launched me mm -hmm. to be like, well, I do enjoy working and mentoring people. And that ultimately led me to teaching. It was a lot of internships, a lot of volunteering, really just putting myself out there because I knew no one was going to give me a handout. No one was giving me a handout, which was really hard. Just being in a, in a place like San Francisco, it's a lot of like, what's the phrase? Like sink or swim. And I feel like that, that comes with a lot of any industry, really. But like future career goals, that's a hard question. Now that I am department chair, this was like, okay. uh, that was like the goal that I had for like year eight or 10. And it's only year three. So like I don't know what to do now. I mean, there's there, now um, it's Easy. a good it's a good position to be in speed um, because uh, speed run. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly. And uh, now I just get to think about well, what else can I do with teaching? Should I take it further? Should I jump to a new career? I don't know because like like personally, I've satisfied a lot of the things that I wanted to accomplish. Um, of course I could do more. See how far it goes. But yeah, I, definitely down the line. I hope I could try something else. Um, I would love to, I think some sort of service industry because I really did enjoy working with food, but whether that's like with airlines or retail, even though all those things are really hard and laborious, it requires a lot of work. I enjoy that. I don't know why. I think I'm a workaholic. <laughs> Same. I, I, can't, I can't be like a workaholic. I mean, unless it's something that I really like doing, then yeah. I mean, yeah, money, but I love being lazy. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like it can also go back to that saying of, like, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life kind of thing. True. That's like, that is that's very true. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that's, like, the part that's kind of 
hitting me right now with teaching. Like I'm very fortunate that I did end up really loving it and it's super fulfilling. I think over fulfilling to where I'm like, okay, I got what I needed. Now I can bounce. But then it becomes like, now what? Now what do I do? Which is kind of nice because I, I do want to try more things. I think our generation of people, though, like if we find a passion and we love something, I think we'll definitely stick with it. But at the same time, I think we're also people who want to experience the world. Like I'm not trying to be in nothing against our parents, but looking at how they've been in the same career for like 40 years, I don't know that I want to do that unless like I, I, I can't see myself being a teacher when I'm like 50 or 60. That just sounds really exhausting because like I'm already exhausted. I'm 27. Like what? <laughs> it's a it's a question that I'm asking myself a lot currently, especially since I'm about to graduate maybe like in a semester or two um i'm already getting the question also from my parents as well because like i'm a kinesiology major right so like usually like the path like forward is like if you're a kinesiology major you're either going to go into like physical therapy or occupational therapy or like somewhat or even like a physical physician assistant it's like usually one of those but the goal for me was always to do physical therapy and like it's kind of cliche like as it sounds but the way that like i kind of wanted to like get into that was that i mean for the longest time i kind of felt like i probably would have some sort of success in a kind of like medical field like maybe because um even like within my friend group i was always like the the one to be very like attentive to everybody you know like the mom friend or just like wanting to like take care of everybody and they all thought that like I could probably maybe be good at like nursing probably but then like my mom's a nurse and like she would always come home and like have all of those like insane or like crazy stories you know <laughs> about like you know IVs like going wrong or just like you know people like throwing up on her or just people like shitting on her and I was like you know what nah. <laughs> not that ain't me <laughs> we good and like my hands are like super shaky so like it just wouldn't be good for me I think personally just like when it comes to just like maybe like human connections I I don't know it something which is always so off about me even just like in a regular hospital setting where just like you're in the room and then like the doctors or like the nurses they'll come in they'll talk to you for maybe like five minutes and then it's like all right on to the next you know, like something about that just felt like very impersonal for me. And like knowing myself, I personally didn't think that I could do that. You know, I needed something like deeper. But when um, I was still playing volleyball, like in high school, I injured my knee. And so I had to go in for physical therapy. And I think it also helped my tito. She, he also worked there so he was able to like take care of me and just like have me feel comfortable with like um, everything going on but he also like introduced me to like the head physical therapist there and showed me like all of the equipment and everything and I was like you know like this is actually like pretty fun and every time I would come in like every week everyone like knew my name they would like check up on me see the progress you know and getting really close with them and like ha developing the relationship like with each like uh, PTA or like PT and like seeing them develop relationships with like their other clients as well. I was like, okay, I feel like this is more my route. And I really liked that at the same time, they're able to give like a lot of autonomy to the clients as well, you know, like how they want to like treat themselves or the pace that they really want to go at. So I was like, okay, I think this is probably going to be like, what's going to be like for me. And so, and just like, I love like, you know, like movement and just, you know, muscles and everything that just excites me like 
a lot. It's really interesting now, I guess, like, because I've always, like, had the same, like, answer. But I think even as I was able to get some, like, volunteer experience, like, in the hospital, I did notice where I was also kind of, like, yeah, yeah, like, in a hospital setting. I mean, like, it was cool to see, like, that relationship with, like, you know, the clients. But then there was also a part of me that was, like, you know, I kind of wish they could go or delve more into like the personal side of things or the mental side of things and I guess even when um I was like at a time when I was like struggling like mentally and also trying to recover my knee as well I remember that like I had real that's like when I first got introduced to yoga and so when like I started doing yoga that really helped um me like physically and also like with my mental health and like um my spirituality as well and it was just like great overall but I remember when I first when I was like getting into yoga like that was something that like I started to feel like an actual like passion for you know and I was like doing a whole bunch of classes online I was getting a lot of books I was researching on it and it was great and now I'm hoping like I don't know if it'll happen maybe like maybe this summer I don't know or maybe after I graduate but like I would hope maybe one day I can probably get like certified for yoga teaching maybe we'll see I don't know if I want to get more experience in yoga first or if I just want to like jump right in because there are some who like you know it doesn't really matter like what kind of experience you have if you just have the passion for it you can go for it but I have noticed when like talking with my friends a lot of them have like mentioned it to me where it was like I'm always like going on and on about overall like human wellness not just like physical health so I was like okay maybe maybe that is something to explore if I want to I know a lot of physical therapists they also branch into specifically like yoga therapy so that could be like the goal for me like if I really want to just think just like big dream that would be something that I would really really want to do if it's something that I can just like incorporate all of like my loves into that like you know I would really like that a lot for me just to give some context on my family unlike what you guys experience my parents just kind of believe in that traditional you just got to work hard and eventually you'll get wherever you need to go my dad's been working in the car business for over 30 years. He's now a general sales manager for over six dealerships. My mom works in an office job as almost a step down from the owner. So she also been there for over decades. So they both just, they just been kind of gassing it when it comes to just work. They always tell me that it's cool to work your way up the ranks in a, in a company. And then you make the actual money that people want. They don't want that for me or my sister. Even though my sister right now, she's actually a store manager for Sephora. She makes salary, which she's happy about. But at times she does think like, I kind of want to work for corporate or HR. You know, I want to kind of keep going up the ladder because there's more to it than just being a store manager. For me, I went to school for, at first, computer science because I thought I liked it a lot, but it got hard. Once it started getting hard, like the famous Drake lyric, once I stopped having fun with it, I'm going to be done with it. And that's literally how I felt. I was like, bro, this shit is more stressing than, it, than fulfilling. So I had to think kind of quickly, like, what do I want to do? And I honestly had to think very simple. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always been kind of like what they say, a math genius. 
because at the age of second grade, I was already figuring out algebra. Algebra was very second nature to me. I also kind of right. think my sister. Yeah, I also kind of think my sister too, because she's two years older than me. So she would kind of already give me the heads up on what kind of math I was going to get myself into. So I was already doing that shit. <laughs> you know. Also, I think in the third grade, I was invited by a program called the Gates Program. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yeah. But I was invited to the gate program school for mathematics because I took the gate test and I scored above the, uh, the benchmark average. Yeah. I was like in that percentile. So like, yeah, dude, you got what it takes, you know, to push that fucking skill set all the way up. And at first I was like, nah, cause I want to be a regular kid. I wasn't really like full a hundred percent wanting to do that. So I denied that request and just kind of went through with my merry life. But that's not a bad thing. I just didn't see myself wanting to take math all the way so early in my life. But it was kind of obvious throughout my secondary education that math was so easy. I found myself not even caring to open up a textbook to study for math exams and stuff because it was just like, it's just numbers, bro. I got this. It's simple. That's just how I looked at it. And then luckily, even though I took computer science in college, I was already being introduced to what high-level mathematics was going to be because when you're a comp sci major the worst that they'll ever do to you in terms of math is calculus and a lot of people look at calculus as like bro this shit is tough this shit is straining i don't even know why they this shit exists you know just kind of like saying like you don't need this shit but for me i was already exposed to multivariable calculus in high school and to me it just looked like a bunch of numbers and a bunch of setups, and a bunch of formulas. And it just, to me, it just seemed easy. For the, a lot of people, they kind of admire that, because they're just like, most people will say math is, like, one of the worst subjects to have to go through in school. For most applications, and also aspirations that you have, math is not going to be there. But for me, I saw math everywhere. And the reason why I saw math everywhere is because I'm also a, a mathlete. I'm also an athlete that looks at a lot of numbers. I like looking at the numbers, and I also like looking at the analytics of what sports, in terms of, like, statistics, and even advanced statistics that go into, like, what describes a player's excellence or what describes a team's excellence or what describes a pattern. I look at, I see patterns when I watch sports. It's a crazy thing. I see patterns in, like, people's play, like, performance. I see patterns in, like, literally their scoring average. Or in baseball, I see, you know, all these statistics that people kind of overlook. Like, what the fuck is what the fuck is an ERA? Or what the fuck is a war? You know, these these abbreviations. What, what do they mean? It's all math. And it's very simple math. But it's math that tells a story of why this is significant. And me playing a whole bunch of sports, I was into basketball. I was into baseball. I was a track and field and cross-country runner. I even touched on tennis and soccer. I even touched on football. I did it all. And every single sport had something to emphasize in math. And it's weird because it's like, realistically, no one cares about what the math nerds got to say about somebody in sports. But the shit was so interesting because that's all I saw. All I saw was numbers. And so sports, like everything else in life, it's a numbers game. And so I caught myself doing shit like that. And even numbers in terms of stuff outside of sports, like gaming or work or payroll and shit like that. It's like, bro, everything has a formula to me. And a lot of people will just tell me you're crazy, but it's like, I see it. And so when it comes to my career path, luckily I was more 
of an open book when it came to this stuff because I only looked at what was going to make me the most money. But I overlooked the fact that the things that are going to make me the most money are things that are outside my comfort zone. And for some people, that's a good thing. For other people, that's like your life. So if you want to do something that you're not comfortable with for the rest of your life, so be it. But I didn't see myself like that. And so now I'm looking at what math can do for me. And math can do a lot. And knowing that there's a lot of work opportunities within sports industries, such as analytics and such as statistics and stuff like that. And there's even things like accounting. There's even things like payroll. There's there's money. Money's math. You don't know how to add one plus one, but you know how much is in your bank account. Like that shit is important. Like you need to know how to add it up. And so for me, I'm just like, I'm ready to take on these things. But I just don't know when that's going to start off. Because, of course, right now, the only experience I have in work is not bad experience. I just have leadership experience. I did work with payroll when it came to my, my, my boba job because I was counting up registers and counting up all the monies, making sure shit was adding up. And on top of that, I was also very involved in sports. So I understand how sports work. And I also understand some sports science because I also used to coach the high school track team. My, my alumni high school team I used to be an assistant coach. I also did a bunch of sports all the way up to the college level. I was even an assistant practice player for the women's basketball team program at our university. So I know how these things work behind the scenes. And it's actually a lot of work. You would think sitting on your ass with a book full of numbers is like, damn, bro, that looks all you got to do is pencil shit in. Like, it's really not that it's really not that deep. But what you don't realize is that's the shit people keep track of. Yeah, sports is all about, you know, when it comes to team sports, it's all about the team effort. Yeah, you can hear all that yada yada cliche bullshit. But reality, what coaches and what management staff look at is how you're doing in these games in each individual. And if they see patterns of positive climbing, like basically the stonks are rising in this one person, they're going to try and emphasize that person to even like go even higher. And for those that are falling down, they're going to try and pick them up by picking up the aspects in their statistics that are fucking them up. You can be the greatest fucking three-point shooter in basketball, but you can have the shittiest free throw percentage. How do you become a better basketball player? Don't worry about the three-point percentage. Worry about the free throws. Once you get that shit up, then everything starts to add up because then the individual statistic um, improvements start becoming team improvements, which make something better like as an outcome. So like literally the small numbers no one gives a shit about are the numbers that the people within that organization need people that need to do that kind of stuff for them. And the fact that you need to understand sports to even get started on that, that's like, that's me. That's something I want to do. That is so easy to me, but it's a mad, it's a matter of me taking that first step into it. So of course, when it comes to a career choice, I want to do something that has math involvement, but I also am a huge sports guy. I'm also very easy to count monies on top of it all. All it takes is for me to like get an opportunity. I kind of got a little taste of it when I was still in school, but unfortunately when the pandemic started, I wasn't able to really get my hands dirty on that shit for real, for real. I just kind of shadowed the idea of it. So hopefully I get another opportunity where it doesn't get shut down by some, I guess you can say, unforeseen circumstance. But also at the same time, mentioning my dad earlier, there's also positions within what my dad was working at. Because basically my dad is also a step down from the owner. 
basically he has full control of like how things need to be ran and he knows that i have capabilities of certain things that i'm good at that could help him like accounting and payroll and stuff like that because my dad knows numbers to me is so easy and my dad no offense to him is the opposite of that so he's like i don't want to be in charge of all those shits sometimes I need my son to step in too. So that's also an idea that I'm kind of thinking about. Maybe I can work with my dad. Or maybe I should just start looking at the smaller things. Maybe I should go back to those old alumni programs and see if I can get myself into those type of feats as well. Sometimes I'd be working without even getting paid. And to be honest, I'm okay with that. Because money for me is not an issue. But it's a matter of me being able to get into the things I like that I imagine myself doing for at least my young living life. Because I don't want to work past 60, all right? I don't want to have to go through that. You know, life is too short. Some people don't even make it to 60. So as a matter of fact, let me try and get into the stuff that I always wanted to get into, at least for at least for a little bit of my time, because then I'll feel like, damn, I finally got to able, I finally was able to extract my top skill sets into something that I love. And hopefully that's where I get myself into. For me, like I was talking about it prior to this, but like I said, I, I've, I've grown up with cooking with my parents and like my late grandparents. It was mainly like my grandparents, my, well, my grandma that did all the cooking. She would have me help prep or my mom, she's the one who cooks out of my two parents, have me help her. And the idea of food was always just so appealing to me. And I was also really chubby growing up because I ate literally everything. I was rarely like a picky eater growing up. Like maybe, I mean, the only thing I am picky about now is like mushrooms. Only if they're like not, like if, if they're like have a weird texture, then I'm like, I'm not going to touch them. I'm, I'm rarely like picky. I've also done like, my mom would want to take cooking classes and she would just drag me along because since I'm the youngest and like the only girl, I go with my parents everywhere, wherever they go. So when my mom took cooking class, she's like, all right, I signed us up. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I, I have to go since you paid for it already. But they were really fun, especially at like places that I, I would eat at. They would just like have cooking classes. Like it. there's one here in uh, Seal Beach that we always go to. And I've taken Avery there for like breakfast or like brunch dates. It's the Crema Cafe and their bakery like makes fresh bread like every day. So they just had like a bread making class, which is really fun. Yeah. Like I said earlier, like cooking for my friends throughout like most of my schooling life. I went, what is it? I went to Catholic school for K through eight. So I was stuck with the same people for like nine years. And so whenever it was someone's, whenever there was like a bake sale or it was like a, ho- a holiday or like right to be about to be a holiday, or if it was like my birthday, I would like bring stuff like cupcakes or like brownies or like whatever. I don't know. I always just liked giving people stuff, especially if it was made for me. And then like, they'd be like, oh yeah, this is so good. I was so hung up on like cooking for the rest of my life that I wanted to do it as, as like a college major. Like I wanted to go to hospitality management, but you know, that doesn't fit the uh, Filipino household. Originally, my mom wanted all of her kids to pursue medicine in some type of way uh, because she's a PA and then my dad's like does all healthcare stuff. And my mom's dream was to like just open up a family clinic. And then my brother went to anthropology. My other brother went into graphic design. And then I wanted to pursue hospitality management. So we we're like, nah, you can give up on that dream. <laughs> she, she was kind of sad. And she's like, fine. Because like hospitality management doesn't like fit the bill. 
even if I wasn't going to pursue like medicine, we like had to come up, I don't know, mill ground. And so I had to do international business. I tried changing my major in the middle because like I was still just taking like GEs and like baseline and like major like general classes. But then my dad was like, if you do international business, hospitality management falls within international business and it's not the other way around. I was like, fuck, fine, I'll finish it. Like the only saving grace was that I was able to do beverage management, which was a, a senior, not senior class, but it was a 21 and over drinking course. Correct. Yeah, man. Mario took it with me. fucking wreck. It is so, let's go. That the same was, class, bro. That shit was, that was That was a movie. That shit was a movie. We were basically drunk every Monday night. And like I said, I worked at Brenda's and that was, it was, it was so fun. I was like the youngest and not gonna lie, the cutest worker there. I, I worked as a, as a food runner and a hostess. I would get a lot of tips from like customers. I, the kitchen staff really liked me. So they just kept like, you know, when you bring home like a staff order, um, down bad. they were down bad. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> oh. The specific Brenda's that I worked at, because there's Brenda Soul Food, which is like near downtown. And then there's the one I worked at, which is Meat and Three, which is basically like a supper restaurant where they have like a board like on their wall where you can get one kind of meat, which was maybe like their fried chicken, like short ribs, something, right? Oh, or like blackened salmon or like that. And then like three sides. You can get that as a staff order leaving, but because they liked me, they would give me like like two entrees and like six sides and a dessert and like my like fridge in my dorm was like always filled always. I, I i loved working there and then avery you you mentioned this to me before like when like whenever i wanted to pursue like something with like food you'd be like you know the happiest i've ever seen you was working at brenda's and i was like because it was it was like I, for the rest oh. of yeah for the rest of three years i worked in hr at school Although it gave me more leeway to like, like for school, like it was on campus. They were very um, lenient with my hours, um, my schedule. I could do homework there if I wanted to, if I wasn't doing any work. work. My like coworkers are really nice. Nice. Avery kept saying that like the happiest I've ever seen you when you were working was at Brenda's. Yeah, it's that, it's that, that same feeling that, I don't know, maybe even Dylan, you can test to it as with your passion in cooking. But like when, when you just care or have some sort of love for something, I feel like it just exudes from a person and you don't know it like yourself, but you can see when you see someone's eyes like shining for something. And that's what I saw in Aya. Like she was like this, like to me, like that was it. And I was like, damn. And and it should just keep going. It was sad because I only worked there for like three months. I was so mad because I was living at the, I was living at my dorm at the time and I started working there like late into like uh, second semester. And by the end, like I had to move out. So I had to tell my boss like, hey, I don't have any place to live in San Francisco for the next like three months until I find like an apartment. Basically, they put me on like a like hiatus almost, but then they just took me off completely. I was just like, okay, uh, nice knowing you. So it was really it was really sad to leave. All I all I can say is she served me my food, and it tasted like ten times better knowing that I had touched my plate. I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> She was crazy. Me, me and the boys pulled up to Brenda's because you're like, hey, yo, is Aya working? And I was like, hell yeah, she is. Let's pull up because we ain't got class. We ain't got priorities. We ain't got nothing to do. So me and like, what was it? Three other guys. It was like you, Robert, Robert John, Eli and wasn't Elijah. Elijah. Wasn't yeah. Kat, wasn't Kat there too? Oh, Kat came. Okay, so five of us. So we, we you brought guys Kat. took the entire bar too. We took the whole bar, bro. And then they all looked at us and they were like, oh, a party of five? 
and we're like, hey, we here for Aya. Where's she at? And I just saw Aya, like, back in the kitchen, and I was just like, there she is, bruh. There she is. I know, like, my shift lead just came in and is like, do we have five people looking for you? I was like, oh, no, are the police here for me? What did I do? And it turns out it was you guys. So was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the cops. I had to leave it to, like, my coworkers to take your orders because I I wasn't a server. I was just a food runner. But I did do final touches on, on your guys' dishes. So. Hey, I, <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I, ate, that, I ate that bitch up. <laughs> and you guys specifically gave me the tip after. <laughs> you didn't leave a tip on the thing. Oh. Like, you were like, here. Like, Money you're tip. Like, you're like that, um, the grandmas that, like, before they leave at the end of the night, they're like, here, here. And then they're like, grandma, no. It's like, no, take it. Take it. Bro, I swear to God, people, and when it comes to working in, like, customer service, like, I know there's a tip jar, like, right in front of me, but they dead ass, like, I'm risking my job, but I don't give a fuck when they kind of, like, take you take the money. You're the one that's doing it. You take my money. And I'm like, that's a 20. I'm just making you a cup of coffee. Fuck you, give me a 24. <laughs> I know, right? And I'm thinking, like, damn, that's crazy. But, like, thank yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Like, this is gonna go towards, like, Maybe gas or my next meal. I ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now that I'm graduated, I had plans on getting my MBA and then going to like culinary school. But then COVID happened and then like the hospital thing happened. So I had to put a whole, whole ass stop to everything. I wanted to go straight into like culinary because I, I found like online culinary courses. But I was like, am I really going to get the most out of my like tuition if I just learn from home? Like this is like a very like hands-on like learning experience i don't want to just fuck that up because it's like covid so i'll just like wait i kind of don't want to touch on like i have very little restaurant business experience dylan you have like way more than i do i wanted to like ask did you have like expectations of like going into like working at a restaurant and then like realizing that it's like completely different there was like a reality of like once you get into it it's like fuck this is not what i was expecting this is not what i signed up for or this is what i was expecting to do i didn't really have any expectations like i didn't even really expect to like be like where i am at now when i first started working i was really just like trying to be front of the house so i can get money and tips so i could figure out what i wanted to do and then when I realized my first restaurant job, I worked at like a, I worked at a uh, poke restaurant. So I'd be making poke bowls and I was actually like touching food. And then everyone was like, oh, this shit busted. Right. And so like, this as I was busted. touching, I was like, you know, I was handling the food and seeing how people were reacting and like, okay, this makes a huge difference. You know, like cooking for my friends is one thing, but cooking, handling strangers food feels totally different. And I feel like for me, that's kind of more satisfying. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah i started working front of the house and i was just expecting to like just do whatever they told me so i didn't really mm -hmm. have any expectations of what i was getting into and then once i started working more back of the house and like you know just being like a fry cook or like just washing dishes it was basically what i expected like getting yelled at 90 percent of the time uh having food come back like oh no not the food coming back ah! yeah yeah, yeah. Um, just like shit like that like a lot of the back of the house experience i got like i gained a lot of it just because a lot of the people i work for have had fine dining experience and were in fine dining for a really long time so even mm -hmm. when it wasn't like super serious like when i was um like when i'm working where i'm working at now like my head chef has a lot of fine dining experience and i worked at this french cafe and this and the general manager 
went to like Le Cordon Bleu and they're like heavily, obviously very heavily French inspired. And so that's where their management style and like their just style of like handling the kitchen came from. So when I got mm -hmm. stuff like that, like it really pushed me to like, just want to keep doing it and be better so that that shit doesn't happen. So yeah, I didn't really have any expectations other than like kind of doing bitch work. <laughs> I felt that. Oh my God, I felt yeah. that. I remember having some sort of expectations going in because it was my first job ever paid it was really like well known within the city and i thought it was just going to be me coming in and like oh i also expected like my boss to be like lenient with me because i was a student and i made sure that he knew that i was a student but he kept giving me like so much like shit for like being at home for spring break because that's when like i was supposed like i was gonna start and then having to take like some time off for like finals or like or because I was involved with our Philippine Oregon we were doing a PCN like I needed like the night off because I was performing and it's like I thought they were gonna be like fine with that and it's like no I got so much shit so I think going in it and then coming out of it was just like just because you're a student or like basically a kid doesn't mean you know they're gonna treat you like one you're in a working environment now especially one that's like really fast-paced because I didn't think like the second location of, of the restaurant was going to be like super busy, but like every time it was busy. I worked Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sunday mornings to afternoon. And oh, fuck, it was, so, it was always so busy all of the time. I had to handle like phone orders. I had to handle like customers and then like private parties and to go orders and shit like that. And it was just, oh my God, I didn't, it really like shot my expectations of like oh this is gonna be kind of easy and fun and it was fun it was just like a lot of work yeah i also didn't expect to make that much money out of it because i didn't i wasn't like super aware of like minimum wage and then i was already making more than uh, what minimum wage in san francisco was plus i was making tips and my idea is like how mario said like a tip jar it's right there and then it's not like in most places it's not always at full but i was making at least like 90 dollars a shift out of tips mm -hmm. the most i made like i think almost 250 for s serving a private party yeah i remember mario I, I took a picture of my first paycheck and i was like wow i'm making so much money and then you're like girl that ain't even enough for rent that's not even enough for gas and i was like bitch yeah. why are you ruining my mood hey man that? i remember that i mean, oh, I, mean my God. I, I only said that because it's just like that is a good amount of money you didn't have to worry about real life yeah. Yeah. Like... I did right because I I didn't right. have a car. I did yeah. have to pay for rent because I was living in a dorm, Avery dorm. So I think yeah. for I think for Sholi, when it comes to like going back to what you said, Dylan, about how you're working at the poke place and how looking at people's reactions to something as simple as just assembling a poke bowl, because the things you know you you gotta prep them right. Yeah, and you gotta like make sure it's what they want and you think that it's like oh it's just a part of the job you know they just tell me what they tell me what to do and i put it in there boom there you go have fun but then they like hit you with like the nice compliments like i don't know like wow you know it's pretty good it's busting yeah it's, it's good man like thanks for making this this way yeah. you know i feel the same i feel the same way because most of my job experience is a barista and i worked on both both sides of the equation i worked as a coffee barista and also as a boba barista or i guess what most people call the boberistas it could it dude honestly it could be something so simple as like for example a flat white if you know what a flat white is it's basically whole milk and ristretto espresso 
It's simple, mm-hmm. but it's prepped a certain way. You don't just mix it together and be like, here you go. Like you actually got to put a little bit of thought into it. Also, obviously also latte art is also kind of a big thing for some people. And I would think I'm just doing my job. I'm just like, oh, you want a flat white? All right, bet. Let me go make the flat white. And I make the flat white. Sometimes my shit's on point. Sometimes the white dot might be a little misconstrued, but it's okay because it's still the same drink. It could be something so simple, and they just hit you with the, wow, it looks so good. Thanks. Like, yeah. And they take pictures of it, and I'm like, you taking a picture of a white dot? Like, is that is it that important? But for some people, it's like, yeah. Some, some places I go to, like, they just don't care about how it looks. They just make sure that they make it. Like, even how, how people put, like, syrup on the top of a frappuccino or, like, a blended drink. Something so simple as a caramel frap. It's literally just fucking coffee, ice, and milk. And you mix and you blend that shit. It's so simple. But, like, the way you prep it and the way that you make it, like, you can make it so aesthetically pleasing to the point where they pull a phone out and take a picture and be like, wow, look at how good this shit is. Shit looks like what the menu is advertising it as. It's almost like I work for corporate's advertising team, and I'm like, this is what it's supposed to look like. It looks this good. And I'm just thinking, like, wow, I just made a basic-ass frappuccino. I, I, I didn't think it was that crazy. But to them, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this shit looks so good. Like, I almost want to buy another one because of it. It's like, huh? But... I feel it, bro. It's literally the simple, simple things. People just don't see it that way because they're just there to like get their order, eat, and bounce. But for some people, it's like, no, it, it, it's how you make it. It's how you show it. It's how literally they're like, gotta be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Avery, I know you, uh, you worked at a boba shop too. What was your expectations going into it and then leaving? <laughs> I didn't get the job because I got the job. It's because my roommate and my best friend uh, got like a, a boxer's, what is it called? Fracture or something. So um, I think that's what it's called. So like his wrist was fucked up. And then I got the job because no one could cover his shifts. And he was like, I have someone that can do it. <laughs> and it was me because I was looking for a job. And they were like, so do you know how to do everything? And I was like, no, this is my first job. So that's what was kind of uh, my oh, expectations. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, I'm I'm here. My expectations of it, I was like, it can't be that hard. It's just making drinks. Uh, keep in mind, this is when both this store and Tea Pumps on Irving opened at the same time. So these are like oh, the yeah. two. These are the two boba shops on the street. Oh, you were at that, that boba shop? I was at Honeyberry across the street. You were at Honeyberry? No, yes. no fucking shot. Yes. No shot. <laughs> Wait, and, and this is like, your freshman year? Um, I think it was my like sophomore year. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, like you, yeah, y- y'all were still in high school, so <laughs> I didn't exist. I didn't exist, so it's, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like a lot, probably some of the people you might have worked with that were maybe manager level at that point. We were all trading drinks and desserts at night because oh. that's what we, you know, like we would, you trade, know, we, we would trade like we still, still did that. that. Yeah, yeah, we still like, did we that. Would, no, we yeah, we trade like roadie buns for for um whatever oh, they make oh, it in. Um, oh, yes. Oh, bro. Listen, it was it was a community. Irving Street really in San was. Francisco was a community. I loved it. It was great. It was it was either you were young enough to get your license or old enough to be considered retired. It don't fucking matter. Everybody <laughs> on that street was just like, "I see you working there. When when's the next time you work? I'll pull up." I'll, People like, I'll pull up. I'll pull up. <laughs> literally at Kevin's. I I just tweeted about this a couple of days ago because I, I knew the people, yeah. I knew the owners. I it, it got to a point where I go there every shift to get a bowl of number two large, 
every fucking shift. And the owners just knew, like, they didn't even have to give me a menu. They just saw my face, and they're just like, come right we'll up. Do large. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just <laughs> pointed me like, yeah. coming up. And I was like, like, I just sit down. They gave me my tea. And as soon as I pour my tea, all of a sudden, the bowl's out. And I'm like, huh? oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I feel so loved in this bitch. And so I gave the owners, uh, I let them know. I was like, oh, yeah, I work at the Boba Shop Tea Pumps, like, literally just across the street. If you want me to, I can come next time with some milk tea. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. I, I like milk tea. He's like, what do you like? And he's just like, oh, I just like regular milk tea. And I'm like, okay, bet. I'll make that shit with my eyes closed. Fuck it. And so next time I went to Kevin's, pulled up with like four black milk teas. And I was like, here you go. And they're just like, really? I'm like, yeah. Y'all motherfuckers have my soup ready by the time I sit my ass down. Come on, man. It's, it's love out here. Like, I'm, I'm, you do me a favor, I do you a favor. That's why I love. That's why I like working on Irving Street. It gets busy as fuck on Friday nights. Like, I almost want to fucking punch yeah. a fucking baby in the face. You want to, like, die. <laughs> but it's just like... Everybody there that works on that street, like they know the struggle when all like the fucking high schoolers and SSA kids come out on Friday nights, and they're just like, yeah, we we, we know it gets popping, but I mean, on a regular day, like on a Wednesday, like nothing's going on, we 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 can do you a favor, you do me, scratch your back, scratch mine, <laughs> dude. When you're talking about like they would have things ready for you by the time you sit down, that's exactly how when we when we me and Avery would go to Kogi Gogi like Bro. almost twice a week. And like we'd see like our the usual servers. One of the servers' name is Zaya, and that's how we learned because of her like walkie-talkie had her name on it. And I was like, Zaya, my name's Zaya. Yeah, and <laughs> every time we'd go there, and it was like all of the servers that would just be like, oh, okay, so beef belly, beef tongue, brisket, thin sliced pork belly, and radish paper and brisket sauce. And I was like, all right, there you go. And they'd be like, oh yeah, and mango cocktail. And I was like, mm, you already fucking know that shit. Oh, that shit was busted, yo. <laughs> Back to what uh, Mario was saying, I think that's the coolest thing about the service industry is that no matter how competitive it is, like, it's all basically the same shit. Like, um, like when I was like on the, at the restaurant I work at now, there's we're on like the like main street of what we would call like our small downtown. But like, even after our shift, like we would all go out to a bar and get drinks. And then when we would go into each other's establishments, they already know they already know what's up like we have three customers like get the same thing from the same restaurant from, from like our restaurant and then when i go into this crate place every morning after i fucking get off of work at 5 a.m 6 a.m they already fucking know what i want and it's so cool because <laughs> yeah. they either it's either it's on the house or i'm getting a like the fattest discount i think that's just the coolest thing and that's like something that's really missing from the industry right now is that camaraderie after like a long friday night because you can't go out to a you can't go out to a bar and just get drunk because we're in the middle uh, of a panorama, you know? Yeah, <laughs> of a pandemic. It's like yeah, pandemic. I, I miss that because after pizza shop that was that took over the the first one. I don't know. It's right next to Kevin's. Uh, oh, the older hole one, in the, the wall. One. Yeah, but the one before that, there's there's oh. one before that. Yeah, Irving Pizza. Uh, Irving Pizza. Irving Pizza. Yeah. Irving. I don't know. I don't know if it's still the same owners. That shit was fire. But it's like yeah, it's. It's those late nights because same thing. I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday mornings, I think. And it's just like you walk in, and they're just like, "Hey, we got your pizza ready for you." And it's like, "Ah, oh, man, it it." I love that point about the community. I never really thought about that, just because you know you're like nineteen, twenty, 
Friday night, you're just dead tired from the shift of like all the rushes. Oh my God, like all the lines and stuff. And you just need sustenance because you're like, mm-hmm. everybody else is out partying except you. <laughs> you were working <laughs> for them. Um, and then you just get to chill with like some old Italian guys and they're just like, hey man, like here's a pizza. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> I, like, had a, I had a supervisor that literally went to that Irving pizza before they switched a hole in the wall every mm-hmm. single shift. Like, they, oh, I'm taking my lunch. I'm going. I already ordered my Irving pizza box, so I'm gonna go over there. And one time during a shift, them same Italian dudes pulled up and was just like, hey, "We got a combo pizza for you." And they just dropped the box on us, and I was just like, "Let's fucking go!" Like I was gonna go to Kevin's, but I guess I can I can skip this motherfucking day. I was just like, "Damn!" Like I'm so grateful to y'all. Like bro, I'm finna pull up. I'm finna like slam dunk a twenty dollar tip, bro, on my LeBron James shit. But yeah, Irving Street was a, was a movie. I think this kind of ties in. I think with any with any job, especially like within like restaurant business, you get a lot of experience with like people that you serve or the people you work with, and they can turn into like whole ass stories of that. I can either like I don't know, it's something really good or really bad. There's like really no in between, right? As much as I love Brenda's, and as much as I got a lot, I reaped a, a lot of the benefits coming out of it. It had to come at the cost of like letting the kitchen staff like talk to me in a very certain way or they would get handsy and they would try to like kiss me and like other stuff and then having to deal with customers who were like trying to get my number or like taking up like my time by talking to me and trying to get to know me or whatever it was like i'll save i'll save the talk about like the rampant sexual harassment that happens within restaurant business do you have any stories sir of things that have happened to you while working at a restaurant yeah it- it's and I mean, and you don't have to you don't have to talk about any things that might like jeopardize your job. So <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, this guy actually just got fired, so I oh. don't really give a oh. shit because he's a kind. Oh, he's yeah. the coolest guy. I oh yeah, but he's the coolest guy, but like he's the shittiest worker, ah. right? And so like we're it's it's a Friday it's a Friday night, and he has to go take his lunch, and we're getting fucked. We're like absolutely getting railed. And so he has to take his lunch in the middle of the shift or else he's violating, you know? And, like, with California, it's like they're kind of assholes about it. So we're working. I'm like, this is the time where I come in and I take over for Expo and, like, all this other stuff before we close, right? And so, like, we're still getting fucked. And, like, he has to go take his lunch. 30 minutes passes and he's not here. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's just, like, going to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah, running late. And so, like, 30 minutes passes, 45 minutes passes, 50 minutes pass. I'm like, bro. Where the fuck where is this dude? You? So I go out to his car. He's out in his car all fucked up. And like I see this little piece of like tinfoil on his lap. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck are no. you doing? Yeah, so he's all passed out. And so then I have to like tell everyone to like get the fuck out of the restaurant. Like I have to like and then we have to close early and then I have to call the ambulance and then I have to call the owners. And I'm like, and there's still like a block. There's like a, a line still like down the whole block. Like we're Whoa. we're like a really popular. Oh god! And Yo, like, I have to go out to everyone and be like, "Hey, I am so sorry. We're having like this emergency. We're gonna have to close early and all that shit, right?" And then everyone gets fucking pissed. So then I have to go do- deal with this fucker, and I'm like, "Fucking sick, dude." <laughs> this man damn near OD'd on the job. Yes, sir. My god. Like I, I feel really bad because I've oh, definitely god. been. Not, like, in that particular situation, but I've definitely had, like, substance abuse issues. Mm -hmm. But, so that's just, like, with a co-worker. And that's at this recent job. So I was working, and then with a customer, 
I was working at this, I was working at this like French cafe. I'm just like making coffee or whatever. I, this woman comes in, she, she always, she always gets the same thing, right? But on this particular day, we're, we're out of it. And on this particular day, she wants like three of the same thing. I'm like in the middle of like getting coffee out, getting, getting all this other food out. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll be right with you. Okay. And I don't want to ever be mean, right? But like. This woman looked like Blanca from Street Fighter, right? She comes no. in. <laughs> so, like, after after I fucking get in, she's all angry and huffing just because I have to, like, I've been taking a long time, but it's it's breakfast time, and it's, like, it's a Saturday morning, and, like, at Saturday morning at this particular spot, it's, like, when all the, like, like all the Mormons and shit come because they just got out of, like, service or whatever they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So we have like we have like sixty we have like fifty sixty Mormons out in our courtyard and like <laughs> no, sounds and like then, you're setting up a joke no <laughs> <laughs> um, so I come in and I'm like oh she wants like this black forest cake and she needs two of them for like a party and I'm like oh I'm so sorry we're out and I'm like she's like what the fuck do you mean you're out I get the same fucking thing and we have this whole like display of like little menus and shit on top of the the like the pastry display and she goes and fucking like takes her hand and swipes the whole fucking no the oh my like God. i need to speak to your manager right now and then she's like I go, the lines. I go back to the to the thing and she's like who's yelling is it that one person i'm like yeah she's like oh you have to go deal with that i'm like what the fuck do you mean i'm like <laughs> 19 this is my third week on the job like what the fuck do you mean i have to go You're deal like, with this lady ma'am please calm down <laughs> please like, Please be and nice. Like, we make we make a, a lot of our pastries in house, but it's like kind of a chain. So, so this particular mm. one we don't. And she's like, "Oh, you can just make more, right?" And I'm like, "No, no, no." She's like, "What the fuck do you mean you can't make anymore?" <laughs> so she's just like yelling and like making a whole ass scene out in the middle of a fucking like a courtyard full of fucking Mormons. Mormons. I'm like, <laughs> she's like cussing up the store, and I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm trying to ask you if. If you have time to talk about their Lord and Savior yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you then know, I have to Mormons do fucking for... Blanca, like shit. <laughs> oh my god, she had her Type Two special ready to fucking pull out on you, bro. Yo, yeah, dude. it was crazy. Like that's why I hate working front of the house now. Yeah, front of the house was all not all that fun. Yeah, like I said, like I had to deal with a lot of like sexual, basically sexual harassment from the kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. they would like give me extra stuff like i said like for staff orders for like i never i don't remember one time taking my lunch or like break ever the whole time working there i think at most i took like bathroom breaks if it was slow then i was able to like like get some food in like the kitchen staff either gave me like biscuits and like tea and coffee if the kitchen staff was like just making like random shit like as as they do in the back like there was one time made something that was very close to synagogue and i was just like fuck it's so good it was for majority of the time it was always followed up with leading up to like hey like you're really cute can i have a hug can you kiss me on the cheek where's my hug yeah it was basically like where's my hug oh no extra fries equals cooks lies you know Mm oh oh that's, that's, that. that's a no, quote that's, that's a quote it, that's it, it it sucks like some of the cooks like at this restaurant like that i currently work at do the same shit and it's like oh. ex- incredibly annoying because they're like they know these girls are like freshly like 18 
Oh no! Yeah, that's that's exactly. I'm like, what are you doing? That's like, um, first of all, we're we're getting we're getting fucking slammed right now, and you're trying uh, to you're trying to hit on basically still kids like that like these we don't people... have time to be cooking extra fries we don't have time to just be like talking yeah like there are so many times where i'm like throwing shit at people just because it's like hey chill you have to fucking chill out dude like yeah like these people were twice my age and they were trying to pull this shit and i was like a lot of the other women that i was working with like they had similar experiences but we there was like a unsaid agreement that we would never tell our boss whatever happened because he really likes these this kitchen staff they do everything right they get everything out like in a very quick pace i don't know if you remember like avery and mario but like your food came out quick no matter that like, was fast yeah that it was, was fast. it was like under like 15 minutes oh yeah i didn't even finish my water <laughs> yeah <laughs> we we would never talk about it i i only started talking about it like after and there was like one time when I was waiting for Avery to pick me up, so I was waiting in, like, our patio area, and I think it was, like, a Sunday afternoon, so it was in between, like, changing shifts, and so um, I think the shift lead was calculating, like, tips and, like, all this stuff for that morning shift. I was sitting there, and they she just started talking about, like, how the kitchen staff was, like, doing basically the same things to her, and then the guy, like, what is it, servers were saying, like, hey, you should probably talk to her boss, and she was like, no, I won't, and I was like, damn, we're all kind of going through the same shit right now but I also have a story relating to Aya's experience, but not as the person being affected, but as a person that had to condone it. So first off, the lady explained this in an earlier episode, but basically she used to be a regular at the coffee shop I work at, and she actually has slowly kind of lost her mind, and it's because she's developed a case of dementia, and the reason why I know this is because just recently her son has started to assist in bringing her to where I'm at and t taking her order for her because she's a little loco. So basically, there was a time where she wanted to reload money onto a card, and she didn't tell me that she wanted to do that. What she did was that her card didn't have enough money to purchase the drink, and so I told her that was the case. And so and without telling me directly that's her purpose of giving me a $100 bill. She paid for a $5 coffee with a $100 bill, but she didn't tell me that that was meant to be reloading onto the card that she wanted to use to purchase the $5 drink with. So then, in a sequence of three days, that was day one. Day two, she comes back, and she tries to use the same card that, once again, still has no money on it, and I told her that. And then she complained to me because she said she, I just, she just gave me 100 the other day, and that it should be on the card, and I was like, no, you didn't tell me to put that on your card. I took that as your payment, and I gave you back change of like 95-some dollars. So you should have that $95 in your wallet somewhere because it ain't, it ain't with me. And she tried to make a scene about it, but I just told her, like, you got to pay for the drink somehow. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I gave you the change back, clearly. So, like, what's the problem? The third day, I wasn't here to experience it, but I was here to, to hear about the aftermath. So I took my lunch, right? It was a 4 a.m. shift I worked. So she usually comes in, like, during the morning, like, 8 or 9. That's when I take my lunch. So I took my lunch, and I went home, went on my merry way. And apparently while I was away on my lunch, same lady came back and wanted to, like, speak to the manager and wanted to fight. She was angry. She was yelling, making a scene. And she was trying to claim that, you know, this brown boy stole $200 from me. And I was like, yo? 
He's like, yeah, he stole $200 and he put the money in his pocket. I saw it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, when did I ever pocket your shit, man? I gave you back your change. And I even put the, even on the second day when she gave me the 100, this time I actually reloaded on her card. So I didn't take none of your money. As a matter of fact, you should have all the money that you were using. And so I came back from my lunch and basically was met with like the store management all like in my face. Like, Ayo, so this customer came in. She's claiming you stole 200 bucks from her. And just as a precaution, we're going to check the video cameras to make sure that in those days that she told us that you did that, it actually didn't happen. And I, at that moment, I was like, huh? But then I was like, oh, I know who the bitch is. So I was like, all right, go ahead. Check the cameras. I don't care. I ain't got nothing to hide. And they looked at me and they're just like, we know. We know you didn't do it, but we're just going to check for her sake. Because clearly she's a little sick in the mind because she doesn't remember what she does. So, of course, they check the video cams and they find out that I clearly gave her back the change on day one. And I clearly put the money in the register when she wanted to put her shit on the card the next day. So it's like, yeah, all right, we did our job. Now you just got to tell her that. And ever since that shit, because she also has a condition where she doesn't remember things like that. She's also all of a sudden been kind of like a happier change of heart. She tries to be nice with me, right? And I'm just like, no, I'll remind her once in a while. Just because I'm an asshole. I think I am an asshole. I'm sorry, people, but I really am an asshole. But I'll remind the same woman. Didn't you just accuse me of stealing 200 bucks from you? Like, not too long ago? Why are you being nice to me? And I feel bad saying that because she's like an 80-year-old woman, but it's also like... Don't Check your place. Yeah, like, don't come at me sideways acting like that shit didn't just happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm brown. And so what? <laughs> but the other yeah. case that happened was, in relation to Aya's thing, oh. it's, it's the same thing where I had an older co-worker of mine prey on, like, recently turned 18-year-old girls in, in the industry with me. And finally, he got caught up. He was caught lacking by this one chick who recorded the whole thing. The whole conversation where he was saying shit like, hug me, kiss me, you know. And he, what? like, followed her to her car, right? Yeah, followed, yeah. Him, followed her to her, her car and, like, harassed her. And she said, I didn't want to post it on social media, but I did it because I'm scared. Because I got to go back to work the next day and deal with him again. And then it became a big deal. And the owner tried to kind of hide it under the rug kind of try to make sure like it didn't happen because that older co-worker apparently was really close with the owner so it's kind of like a bond and so it's just like they don't want to lose him with all like the controversy going on within that workplace the man just felt threatened to like never come back so instead of getting fired he quit before they even had a chance to act on the case and then the owner tried to tell us that we all have to be conscious of this shit and I'm like we been you just weren't you didn't want to take fucking responsibility for it. And result of that, you lost half your staff within the next week. Because it's like, how are you going how are you gonna tell the people that work for you that after all the evidence that was spat out, you're not even gonna hold responsibility of making it in action because apparently he's known about past experiences with the same person on different recently turned 18-year-old woman that worked in our job place and he didn't do shit because nothing was reported. Knowing that information, almost all the girls and the staff like quit. They were done with you. It's simple. Just own your responsibility and we'll respect that for you. It may take a while for us to recover from that bullshit, but at least you took the responsibility to saying you fucked up and we're going to try and be a little better about it next time. 
he tried to still pretend that it wasn't a big issue. And on top of that, he tried to convince me personally. At the end of the day, he's like, well, at least she was 18. Fuck you. Fuck you. These are children like, still. These are little worse. children. No, that's, that's the thing about the industry is that, like, I feel bad for women who come into the industry, whether it's front of the house or, like, back of the house, because they have to... They they have to deal with that shit as but and they shouldn't have to and so like because I feel like I I don't want to like speak for women of course but like it it seems that they put up with it because it's such a male dominated industry and so it's almost it's threatening because they don't feel like they can go to management or make a huge deal about it but they should it's like not okay like there have been when i've worked at other restaurants i you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be overly alpha as a woman and like overly like macho because you're a woman but because you're a badass in the fucking kitchen or like a badass at your job it's it's absolute bullshit and it actually bothers me a whole lot like i don't want to seem like a white knight or anything but it's like fucking uh-huh. you know yeah. I mean, you know, real quick, going back to the situation, when he told me about, like, it, op- it thank God it, she was 18 or else it would have been a lot worse. I was like, first of all, I know you got a daughter. I wanted to tell him this so badly, and I knew it was going to get me fired, but I should have anyways because I quit anyways after the next week. But I was like, damn, bro, you have a daughter who's barely 12, 11 years old. I can only imagine the same fucking person she works with the next time she gets sexually harassed by someone like that. I cannot wait for you to handle that situation. How would you feel about your daughter getting going through that shit? Would you still be okay with it because she was 18? Would you be okay with your daughter being sexually harassed in her workplace at the age of 18? Because clearly it sounds like you are. It clearly sounds like you're okay with it. And I wanted to tell him that so badly. And to be honest, if I do see him again, I would love to bring that up and clarify with that. Fuck yeah. Say it. Say it. It's definitely that where it's like it's a male-dominated environment and... As as a woman, I think working in any industry, you you don't want to yep. seem like the emotional one. You don't want to be like the one that causes a scene, and then it's a lot of for a lot of the cases, it's like my word against theirs. And I'm I'm a food runner, and their kitchen staff who has been working here for years, who are dependent on like every hour of every day. But like I only come in like for five, six hours and then go home. And it's a lot of like thinking, I don't want to jeopardize someone else's like job. And I don't think they're going to believe me. They're not going to be on my side. And you know, like, like I'm, I'm here to do my job. I'm here to make money. And ultimately I have to remind myself that I do like this job for what it is. And that it is, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Even if it's just like serving, like I, I, I learned a lot just in those three months. Do I really want to jeopardize that? You know, like, and then I, like, start gaslighting myself. Like, did I, was I really, like, you know, did, did this really happen? Like, am I just overthinking it? Like, maybe they're just being friendly. Like, you know, they're older than me. They're, like, a different ethnicity to me. Maybe, like, this is just how they are as people. Like, I don't, I, I never just want to, like, misconstrue something because in the back of my mind, it's like, it's my word against theirs. Like, what do I do? So I, I just, I just put up with it. And I'm sure, like, that's just a lot of women in anything really and like i just kind of like want to add on to that like i haven't worked in food service but i would just imagine 
just like in any industry, I'm sure it is just like present. You don't even have to be like in a workspace. As a woman, every woman has dealt with some type of sexual harassment in some type of way. And I don't know if it's just like with you, I, but like there's a lot of stuff that like comes like what goes through like a girl's head when it's like you don't want to like report anything. But there's always like that one part of me, like especially if you're just like in like the workplace that I would just think of like, you know what, this is my job. And you just kind of have to just like go through it or just like put up with it. And like, I don't know if it's just me as like a woman that didn't want to like voice out my problems or whatever. But there's also like, I was always think like if I mention like something's wrong, that just means that like, you know, I'm not good enough to like handle the shit on my own that like I need to ask like, you know, the higher ups for help when I can probably yeah, just it makes you feel like a kid on my way. Yeah. And it's just like, you just don't want to go and run to like mommy or run to daddy. And it's just like, you know, can you get rid of this person for me? It's like, no, like you're taught to like be independent. You're taught to like do this shit on your own. And I feel like as a woman that just like, there's just like that pressure to be like, oh, I don't want like some like savior to come in and just like get rid of this for me. I want to do this for myself. But at the same time, it's like sometimes we do need the help and we do need to like admit it to ourselves because like especially if we don't like voice it up, voice it out sooner, it's just going to keep going and it's eventually going to like eat us up inside. And we don't know the lengths of like what these guys will do eventually. Yeah. And on the flip side um i remember talking to avery once like i think it was during quarantine i don't remember how the conversation came up but i think it was because i brought up like my like high school experience and like you know avery's a teacher and everything i was telling him like you are a very good person you're very good at what you do like you're you're dependent on and everyone a lot of people look up to you a lot of these kids that you teach are going to you about all these different issues like they trust you but you have to be careful because if like, I don't know, one of your, like, girl students likes you, they might try to do something, and anything, like, can jeopardize your your position as, as a male teacher. Because I remember, like, in high school, I had so many horny-ass friends who start telling me about their fantasies about wanting to have sex with our teachers, and I was just, huh? Like, and it was, like, because I went to school with all the white people. Like, all these white girls wanted to, like, have, honestly, like, a lot, a lot of daddy issues, so they all liked older men. and. Oh no. Yeah, and a lot of our teachers that I often have classes with, they looked at them as like, even though they're like married men who have kids who attend the same school, they're like, yeah, I like imagine like Mr. So and so like like go out to the office hours after school and like it's I they would tell me like full detail and I was like, and I remember talking to Avery like you and I I was I'm friends with uh, his coworker Eric who's of the like same age. They're really good friends at work. We went raving with him one time. And shout out Spiff Passe. Yeah. Clothing brand. Yeah. Sick. I think eventually I'm going to have to talk to both you and Eric that you guys need to be careful because these little girls are, they don't even have to try something and you could get fired. I, re- I was remembering like a, this one, like my pre cal teacher in high school and I loved him because he was really cool. He was like, we, we just talked about stuff. And he was also a philosophy minor in, like, college. So we had a lot of philosophical, hey, like, talks. That's like, me. Was, oh, yeah. It was basically, like, there was one day we were talking about, like, what is a chair? And so, and it took, like, an hour. Nice. <laughs> we were just, like, talking about it. I was like, what? Why is this? And then he was also a photographer. Yeah, like, he was so cool. But he got fired two years later because 
how he how he went about it was like really weird, but it was of with the right intention because my high school has uniforms and they had very strict rules when it came to like what girls wore. And he was saying that like one of the girls is out of uniform. She was wearing a short skirt. And again, it was like his word against theirs. So he took a picture. It It is wrong. It is. But the girl took it as, oh, he was like looking up my skirt. Like he was sexually harassing me. And I was like, he's, he's really not. He is not that type of dude. Like really at all. He's such a prude. And so he got fired. But also on the other hand, I had another, I had another teacher, like a PE teacher who was kind of, yeah, was, was kind of known where it was like, he was kind of like sexually harassing. Like, yeah, he was going about things in a really weird way. He even asked me when I was in college at one point to like write him a letter of like, cause I think he was being investigated about it. He was asking me one of his favorite students, like, Hey, can you, can you write a letter about like your experience with me as a, uh, as a teacher? And I was like, yeah, you're horny. But yeah, like on the flip side is like these kind of cases can really like hurt someone who is really not capable of doing anything like that. So like tie back to the customer service stuff. Well, my my second job, that was my second job. Uh, I was working in an office and I think for the longest time I was one of the only like male student employees because all my senior staff above me at the time were all female. And that, that speaking out part kind of just struck a chord with me because none of us spoke out we had one and i i think you may have had to work with him over the phone before he's really difficult to work with but he was supposed to be the like the tech manager that handles all these codes for the doors for all four of us you all know how the dorms work right there's different yeah. access codes for the different dormitories and numbers so on and so forth and yeah. at, at our school dylan like everything is based off of a card so you swipe in to get everywhere that's your access for any building and so this guy if there's an issue it is his responsibility to know these codes. And so someone can come into the front desk. This is an ID card office, by the way. And so the student employees can only know so much. We know how to use the programs and stuff, but like when it comes to unlocking certain windows or certain codes or whatever, the guy is supposed to do it. And let's say school of business, someone is like, hey, my office is an opening. This is my access thing. I'm putting a ticket for it. Can you let your, you know, your tech managers know? And so he has made me cry before. He's made all the girls cry before because he he would get mad at us for not knowing as a student employee of like what you're supposed to do. And no one would voice out because it's just like kind of like what you were saying, Bryn, like you don't want to seem like a kid who's asking him for help. He, he, very, he very made it much like if you walked into his office, you just get I would get tense because I'm like, I know that I'm asking him for help and it makes me feel stupid, but he's the person with the answer. And he actually got fired because of all of the, the history of all this stuff because it got to the the person in charge of the one card office and he found out like oh i didn't know he we've had trouble with him before but we didn't realize every student employee has had an experience like a history with him where he like told us off he would take us to the back and they were like why don't you know this you should know this it's not my problem to fix this solution when it actually was his it's his entire job like he was really just trying not to do anything because when you walk into his office he was never doing work he was on youtube he was on netflix or something and you're just like hey uh, someone has an issue with this door key and he's like oh like now can't you like tell him to go off later or whatever and he would yell at us for not handling it it was i think i kind of locked it out of my mind you know to not think about it but even after i left it was still an issue like a lot of people like my my old boss would tell me like yeah we actually uh, they let him go because he made all of the other student employees cry and then eventually there was a there's a student tech role they made a position because he wasn't doing his job for to dispatch people i don't know if you i think some of your graduating class like uh i think his name was ethan 
he, mm. was, a, he was a tech kid for one card oh uh, yeah. yeah 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 so people would kids would be dispatched to go solve door ticket issues because this guy wasn't doing his job they created a job because someone you know so and those kids got yelled at too so it it was a really uh yeah i, I think that's yeah. something that's really important mm -hmm. is transparency and being able to speak up and it, it's hard like you all said because in any retail food service customer service in general it's like you don't want to speak up or because it might come off as disrespect or speaking back to them or something but it's like in reality like we need to advocate for better working environments because then there's no change and then it creates that cycle again like you were all saying like the like mario's um old boss even though everyone quit did he learn his lesson we'll never know it's like kind of needless to say that I have a lot of rough days when it comes to like i don't know trying to work towards our end goals or like our careers or whatever so i wanted to ask dylan and the rest of you guys like how do you keep yourself from burning out during those rough days like how do you reignite your own passion even though like we have you could like i'm pretty sure these stories don't stop where we with what we told with with all that like how do you keep going basically what is it what it reignites it for you for me it's something as easy as cooking something that i want to cook Right, because I love the product and I love the food that we put out at the restaurant, and I wouldn't work there if I didn't. But it's not necessarily what I want to be cooking. Mm -hmm. And like, so it's like just like needing to work on the products that I want to work on. Like, when I, whether I'm like changing menus or like working on the cookbook that I'm writing, or um, just cooking just something for me and my girlfriend. Like, because it's something that I put my all into not that i don't put 100 percent into my job because i do but it's something that i need just for my mental health sake and that usually helps a lot um some days it's just like just needing to like use a sick day because you know i work nine anywhere between nine ten hours and sometimes it's extended into like a 15 hour shift Jesus Christ. And so, you know, just getting rest or, like, cooking food or getting, like, a good meal that, that like, I've cooked really helps me just get through it. And then I can reset and recharge and go in the next day or whether it's the weekend or whatever. Yeah, like I said before, I don't know if it's because I'm a workaholic, but I think it's because I've conditioned myself to think, oh, I could be using this time to grade or to plan or to do something else so that kind of productivity it's like i'm seeing time being wasted and i think that's an attribute to like you know buying into that capitalistic kind of sense right that like i have to keep working in order to do a good job i will i will not be a good teacher if i'm not working harder if i'm not doing more and i'm still want to <laughs> to, to deal with that burnout because i get burned out so fast like you were saying doing like you when you put your yourself 100 percent of yourself into something that you love like yes it is the, the return on it, it's super fulfilling. You're super happy, but like you still get tired. We're, we're just humans. You know, there's only so much that we can do. And for me, it's like, I, I just have to unplug, not talking to anybody. I don't do anything. Sometimes I just lay here <laughs> because I just, it's just, I just need to be with myself or I'll watch TV or play video games. But even sometimes I'm like, that just takes energy. I don't want to waste energy. I just need to do nothing. And I actually really do like doing nothing. Uh, but sometimes it's it's literally nothing. I will just sit and think and lay here or something because I think that's the ultimate version of me being unproductive. Like I, I have to really unplug because I will try to find a way to make use of my time. This is a weird thought. But like when I was younger, 
for some reason, like the, I wasn't someone who went out with a lot of friends just because my parents wouldn't let me and stuff like that when I was in high school. So I would be here at home on Saturdays, watch Saturday morning cartoons, have the rest of the Saturday to myself if I wasn't, if I didn't have like a sport event um, for, you know, meet or something or like a band. And for some reason, like 16 year old me would be like, you better enjoy this time of doing nothing because there's going to be a point in your life when you're not going to have that. And as weirdly introspective as I was, it's like, that's true because now I don't really have a lot of days like that. I have to, like you said, Dylan, I have to take a day off or some sort of PTO to be like, hey, you need to not work. <laughs> but to reignite my passion and, and to get you know out of that burnout, I think for me, it's like being creative. It's doing stuff like this because it, that, that's another part that I enjoy about teaching is the, the place that I'm working at. I have the liberty of being creative with my teaching. So uh, it's, I, I just love doing that. It feels like a giant puzzle to me. And then also this creative outlet, the podcast or making uh, videos whenever I can. I think that really just lets me release. And this is th what we're doing is productive, but it's not about work. So I think it has to be unrelated to, to teaching for me to like re-energize myself. I remember like Avery and I lived together and in the same room. I, I was still going to school. I also had work. He had work. And it would just be hours on end of like working on something. And I made it a rule for us that 10 p.m. we're done. We don't work on anything unless like, I have a project to do or like that I, I need to get done by midnight as, as per usual of college students. But 10 p.m., we don't work on anything. I will cook us something for dinner. We can play video games or we can watch something and then we go to sleep. I think that while we were living together was very helpful in terms of burnout for whatever we were working on. I'm just going to echo that real quick. Like uh, just we've talked about it on a mental health episode before. But yeah, that that has been lacking for my life just because we're all at home we're all isolated now i can't just walk into the living room and Bryn is watching demon slayer or a studio ghibli <laughs> movie you know and then we just what? sit down and we watch marble racing like it's all of those little things mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. energize myself uh is lacking now and so the doing nothing that i mentioned is like i because i'm in my room i'm just like and and my room is my office this is what also sucks there's no separation anymore it's all gray it's all blurred so it's like i go lay on my bed i'm like i can't look at the screen right now i just i just need to not it's a really interesting question to like think about because in high school i definitely experienced burnout when i was playing volleyball so but now i'm like slowly kind of the terms with it i'm like looking back on it and i'm kind of thinking of like you know what was it for me that kind of just like messed up everything for me and when i look back on it I was very much like a, I don't know if it's just like how society conditioned me, but I was always, I always like looked at it as like, you know, I'm like in this situation now, right? I'm looking to be like committed, right? And I got, and like, I got recruited and like, it was awesome at the time, like before I officially signed. Um, but it was like, okay, I got on the team. Now I got to work on being a starter. And now I got to work on being MVP. And now I got to work on being first team. And it was like, you know, I could, I always thought that there was always something to go or I could always be better and whatever, but I could never like be happy where I was. And I kind of like looked back on it because sometimes like my parents, they like to like reminisce on the good old days and like, they'll like be playing like my old like videos, like in the living room or something. And 
sometimes they would play the uh, like the tournaments of like when I was just starting to play volleyball right and like I'm like I'm there and I'm just like doing I'm doing okay just like making like little mistakes or whatever and like my parents would like throw it in there and they'll be like man you know when you were like a 12 year old or a 13 year old did you think that you would make varsity team in high school and I'd be like you know what when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, like, I never really thought of that. Or it's like, did you, like, you remember when you were, like, 12 and you were thinking it would be a dream to play in college? And then look at you, you actually got, like, recruited. I'm like, yeah, you know? Like, so, and I was thinking about, like, I never really thought about, like, the little kid in me or, like, you know, the younger me dreaming of being where I was or anywhere close to, like, where I am today. And that was a perspective that I think that I definitely forgot to look at when, like, when I was just, like, stuck wherever I was. So I think just, like, nowadays, whenever I'm trying to, like, prevent myself from, like, burnout or exhaustion or anything, I always try to go back and, like, connect with my younger self and just be like, you know what? I, if anything, I would hope that younger me is, like, proud of where I am now. Maybe I don't need to think about, like, the future as of right now I can just think of like you know where I am right now that's better than when I was even just like you know five years ago like a year ago even just like a month ago I'm doing better than what I thought I was doing or like I didn't think I'd make it this far that's already a celebration in of itself and again like going to like um connect with my inner child going to more like creative outlets you know sometimes like I'll go back to like writing sometimes or even like painting sometimes and like it's really good to just have that specifically like for me and I always try my best not to like connect it with any like schoolwork or like any work related stuff because like I feel like there is just some stuff that are like very very precious to you that I feel like should not be tainted in any way to have some type of obligation towards I feel like that's just something that like you gotta hold like for yourself and just like remain specifically for for you but I, I would say, you know, I think just like trying to like keep in tabs with like my inner child or like my younger self and just trying to like think of like how they would probably see like me now or just like be happy at the progress that I've made already is what is trying to like keep myself like afloat. So definitely two sides of the story here, one being in, at work and one just personal, especially when it came to sports. All of high school, I had some additive pressure because I was team captain of cross country and track and field. So I was responsible for keeping the kitties in my section in shape and everything is all good. And a lot of the times I overlooked that role for me where I started worrying too much about what other people are doing and how they're improving. And I didn't take a second to think about well, how am I going to maintain being team captain if I'm not worrying about my performance? Because people, as much as they appreciate me looking out for them, how am I going to look at myself if I start if I stop losing the whole reason why I'm even in that position? If I'm not working hard enough, I'm focusing way too much energy on other people that may or may not really need it. And some of the times it sucked because as much as I love seeing everyone get better, I started seeing my results become stagnant. It's almost like I was already peaking. And not because I wasn't, I couldn't go any better, but because I wasn't focusing a lot of my energy on myself. And it sucked. 
because it's like you're also there for a reason. You're not just there to be a coach because coaches don't perform. Coaches are not the ones doing the handiwork. You are. And so I'm out here taking a coaching role when in reality, I should be the one that every now and then I should dedicate a whole practice to myself. And if they want to come to me, that's fine. But I had to start lessening coming to them. Because I know a lot of kids, especially in high school, you got the ones that are shy. You got the ones that don't like talking to people. They just don't like, I get that. But sometimes they don't realize that I'm just like them too. And there will be days where I'm just like, let me do me today. I'll get right back to you as soon as I'm like good to go. There's that additive pressure where you feel like you got to like fulfill that role that you're a part of, but you also got to remember how you started off and why you're even in that position. It's like when you just start off as an intern and then you work your way into like getting into the job and then you're working your way up to management and then maybe something higher than that. Shit's going to get tough, but like you got to remember you were an intern. It's not easy. Sometimes you just got to like take it step by step. And then that brings me back to my work example because, you know, shout out to this coworker I had back when I was 16. I was stressed out working at a coffee shop at 16. Dealt with a lot of bullshit customers. And obviously me at 16, you know, working a simple barista position was like already a peak. Can't really go much at 16 because you're barely getting, getting your work permit and everything. And there was a time where I just had like, I damn near had a breakdown because I was dealing with like back to back, you know, bullshit. And Alex is his name. At the time, he like looked at me. He saw that I was stressed during a time where everybody else was chilling. Of course, they're a little stressed because they got to get through the work day, but they're just like, it's not bothering me. And I looked at him and I was like, how are you not this stressed? How, how is like this bullshit that you deal with on a daily basis? Like, how do you deal with that? And he pushed, he pulled me to the side. And he's like, listen, Mario, you're thinking too hard. At the end of the day, whether one person, a couple people out of like 100,000 people you deal with on a daily basis, there's going to be those couple bad apples that you just got to get through. But working at a coffee shop at the end of the day, it's just coffee. And he's like, what do you mean by that? It's just coffee. As in, we're fighting over a $3 product. <laughs> he like, this is how he stared at me. He's like this. You're fighting over a $3 product. Mm -hmm. And you like dead ass stare me in the eye for like a minute. Like he wouldn't look away. He's like, do you understand me? It's not that serious. Yeah, it's our job, but it's not that serious. If someone didn't like how it was prepared, okay, make another one. Somebody wants a refund, okay, give them their money. They want to complain to a manager, okay, let them deal with the manager. At the end of the day, are you losing your home? Like he was being really extreme with me. Did you just see a little kid just get ran over by a car? And I was like, whoa, Please. what the fuck? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and I was like, what? Whoa. And he's like, yeah. you get he's like, you get my point, right? And I was like, I, I think so. And it's not just gonna be at this job, it's gonna be at everything you do. And then he started getting hella deep with me. But it kind of rings with me once in a while because it's kind of true. He's like, You're gonna deal with this no matter where you go. You can be in school, at home, at your workplace, at a party, at a bar, at a public event. You're gonna deal with somebody. They're going to want to have to start a momentary. I like how he started like emphasizing a momentarily temporary only in the moment type situation where it might be fight or flight or you might have to fight, fight your case on it. But at the end of the day, it's just that you're going to go to sleep. Never seeing that person again, hopefully, but never seeing that person again. And if you do, it won't be the same way. Everyone wakes up with different moods. Everyone wakes up with different problems. 
they have a problem with you today, let them. Because there are thousands more waiting for you in the future to have a problem with you. And it may be over something that's not entirely your fault. It could be buildup. And all it took was you to be the tipping point. So don't take it personal. Because like at your job, it's just coffee. But in life, it's just a situation. It's just, it's just life. Not everyone's going to be happy 100% of the time. You can't expect that to be a reality. You have to just deal with the situation as bearingly and as appropriate as possible. Because once it's over, it's over. It's done. No more. Why are you stressed about it? Look at me. Alex would tell me. Dad, I was like, look at me. I have a bunch of people that give me shit over the dumbest things. And I'm just like, okay, what can I do to fix that? And they'll tell me A, B, and C. And I'll be like, all right, done. Anything else? No? Okay. Have a good day. That's it. That's all you got to do. And now that applies to a lot of things you do in life. People are going to have a problem with you on a project. People are going to have a problem with you at work. People are going to have a problem with you on the streets. And it may not be because it's you, but it's also because you don't know what that person had to go through to get to that point. So at the end of the day, you may have just been the victim, but it's not because... You're a victim. <laughs> yeah, you're a victim. <laughs> what he's basically saying is it's like, you were the tipping point. And for some people, there was a lot going up into that tipping point. They're not going to be the same way the next day. And if they are, then hmm, that might be mental. But <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, just live life without stressing about the little things. This is basically the, the, the theme of his conversation. The little things, when they get to you, then you become them. You let the little things get to you. And then you have your tipping point. Now you're going to make a decision or perform an action that you're going to regret. Are you really going to let the little stresses in your life that are temporary really affect your permanent future? If I get into a fight with somebody today, then I get into a fight with somebody today. It won't be like that tomorrow. If someone has a problem with me and they want to and they don't want to fix that, we can get other like sort resources involved or it could be just as simple as something as Probably something as simple as like you drop something on the floor. Like say you dropped your phone. Yeah, your phone might have a cracked screen. You might have to get it repaired. It might cost some money. But think think about it. Five years from now, is that cracked screen still going to be on your head to the point where it's going to stress you out for five years? You're going to stress out for five <laughs> years over a cracked screen that costs some money. But five years from now, is that money even going to be relevant? Maybe to some, but to a lot, no. The little things in life should not affect you entirely for the rest of your life. Like, if I'm going to be 90 years old, still thinking about shit that happened to me when I was 16, then you wasted your life. It's just like, just move on. There's so much in life to stress over than something that happened eons ago. That moment in your life no longer exists and no longer is happening anymore. I don't know why that reminded me of our past episode where talking about, like, mental health in, in the POC perspective how like Filipinos are such like hard workers and resilient peoples and I know. <laughs> yeah, we don't have, have a roof. problems. You have a roof over your head, you have food to eat, <laughs> uh you have an education. We don't have mental health. Like we don't have to care about things about mental health. Yeah. <laughs> Just the little things in life should not affect you like in the largest amounts moving forward because it's just not worth it. Like a lot of, of the mental like depletion and burnout is from just the thought process of you having to deal with the same problem over and over again. But also 50-50 of the time, burnout is a choice. Because sometimes you need to tell yourself, 
when it's time to like give yourself a break. Because like when you when you talk about studying, yeah, you got to study because you want to do well on the test or you got to do well in school. But like, is studying twelve hours a day for seven days a week really that effective? Is it really that essential? Do you really got to do all that? I just uh, you reminded me of a certain someone. I I will not name names, but just yeah, seeing them study day in and day out, and then get the results. I was like. Where, where did that time go? <laughs> we all know yeah, who we've talked about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, bottom line is it's like, you got to be smart too. Because sometimes you just can't control it when it happens. It will just occur because everyone has tough days. But you got to also tell yourself when it's time to like walk away from it for a little bit. Like, especially when you, something as simple as like video games. You get pissed off playing video games, but is continuing to playing the video game going to stop you from getting pissed off probably not or like maybe at work someone's giving you a hard time like a coworker, and they just want to keep on fighting with you is it really worth still fighting back when you're not really getting from a to b you're just cycling back and forth from the start maybe i don't know but i mean you kind of get the gist that i'm getting at you just kind of have to pick know and choose your battles you got to pick and choose your battles it, that's really what it is it's yeah i i understand that it, it's just it's i guess for certain people that can be the mentality that yeah you do ultimately have to pick and choose your battles and that these things shouldn't last long on you but like it's it's different for every person and it's, yeah. and for everyone listening it's not like like a hard line where you have to just let it go part of it for your better mental health sake is to let it go but not in the way that like say like mario handles it or like Avery handles it or I handle it or whatever. It's no. it's entirely up to you. You guys everyone has a right to their to their feelings. So whatever works for the person. If you find it easier to letting it go, let it go. If you find it easier talking it out, talk it out. And if you find it easier still dealing with the problem, by all means deal with the fucking problem. But what we're trying to tell you is when it comes to burnout, just know yourself enough to know what's right to do in a situation like that. I experienced a lot of burnout, like in uh, when I worked at HR, because like working with board of trustees or like white professors, or it was, it was so much. And I've told stories about it on previous ep- uh, previous episodes, which I won't go into anymore. Even when I worked at Brenda's, like as much as I loved it, it was it was just a lot. Like expecting me to carry over like fifty or seventy five pounds of whatever every day, I had to. I remember because like I I would I never had that much like strain on like my wrists specifically when carrying everything. I like started getting like is it is it carpal tunnel or like oh no whenever you, whatever things like joint pain you feel like yeah carpal there was tunnel. carpal tunnel yeah like it was just every day was just that and I mean eventually I grew I grew to like be able to ha- handle that strain, but I remember some days it was just. It took all of me to hold like plates like this or something. And if this is like the table, I had to like physically like go like this and put it down. And it was just, I remember like my, my wrist hurting so much, but I had to get through it because it was like, that was expected of me. That's, that's what came with the workload. Right. And even, even then, even if it's something that I love doing, it was, it strained the fuck out of me. I think having, people like my friends come in like you Mario and our like friend group at the time 
or people that I told that I worked there and they came in and they start talking to me and like my boss would see me. Those are kind of like shining days where it was just like, or like if Avery just sat in and just like had some food, I get to talk to him like in between. Those are kind of like those days was like, oh, okay, I'm working on something which I'm really bad at, which is like talking to people and being fr- like, not being friendly, but like getting out of my comfort zone to like not be shy and meeting new people and I don't know, having people who know me like see me work. Those are while I was while I was working there, that was like one of some of the best times. But then I quit I had to quit that job and then had to work for HR and really wasn't doing anything food related for the next like two two years, two, three years. And it was like those times when I would just decide, I'm gonna cook something for myself today. Nobody bother me in the kitchen. There'd be times when I'd like kick Avery out of the kitchen. It's like, dude, no, let me, I got it. Don't help me. Even though like you want to help me, don't help me. I I needed that space and those times where I felt like this is something I purely want to do for my own sake and not what what is expected of me. And it just made me want to continue cooking. And it was, yeah, it was very similar to what you said, Dylan, earlier. I think even now, I like, now that I'm living at home, I don't really cook as much as I want to because like my my parents cook or like we order out all the time I think what kind of reignites it if I'm not cooking is watching the chef show or watching broken bread or like watching rewatching chef all over again or watching um ugly like ugly delicious I don't know like like watching something that's food related or like even just food blogs I was just like ah yes this is it this is what I want to do I kind of want to, like, I guess, change things to a little more, like, lighthearted. Dylan, what are your pet peeves when it comes to, like, seeing people cook or people's ability to cook? I get really peeved knowing there are people out there who don't know the basics about anything about cooking. Like, they can't can't fry an egg. They can't, I don't know, simply, like, work a knife. People being picky. I've gotten on Avery's case a lot about being picky. And then when I've when I've heard like stories about how picky he was, I would get I would just seethe in my seat. Like, why? Mm-hmm. But what are your pet peeves? Okay, it's so small, but like when people don't put a towel under their cutting board and like they're just on a counter and like they're trying to do some like kind of heavy like knife work, like dicing an onion or like mincing garlic. It's like, oh, you're gonna cut off one of your fingers and then or just like not holding a knife correctly. Right, because of course there's a handle, but like, I swear to God, <laughs> um, like, you know, it's just like, it's more about, when it comes to that, for me, it's more about efficiency, because you don't have a really good control on the knife if you're just holding it by the handle, mm-hmm. and you gotta got have the, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pinch it, you know, pinch the back of the blade. Other than that, it's just like when pe- people don't know how to cook. Like, I find like a lot of people... A lot of people like my age or like just don't know easy things. Like, sure, cooking's cooking's hard, but like if you know how to do some of these things, then like it's way easier. Like, it's this is why I'm writing the cookbook, right? Mm-hmm. So the title of my cookbook is "Cooking for the Absolute di- Dipshit." Yeah, let's like, go. So it's not just like me teaching like giving recipes and shit it's just like basic things to help you become like a total bat like badass home cook like things like holding the knife like and like 
simple, easy technique stuff, like whatever saute means. Like, this is going to help you throughout everything. Like, frying an egg, all that kind of shit. And it's like, it makes me really sad because it's a, it's a survival thing. Like, if you can't cook, and like, if we're struggling, you're like, just out of college, you don't have a job, like, you need to know how to fucking do these things, or you're gonna you can't just live off of like mcdonald's every day you know mm-hmm. and it's gonna kill your wallet if you're gonna keep exactly. ordering takeout exactly there's an efficiency to everything and i'm like oh god yes thank you yeah it's just it's things like that like other than that i'm not huge like on judging people and how they cook especially if they're cooking for me because then like i don't want to like like seem ungrateful and if they mm-hmm. ask me for help then i'm all in but if they don't ask me for help then i'll let them do them and I'll try and stay away from the kitchen from being annoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely has to be with like picky people because I am I'm I'm a very judgmental person. Like like I I don't care. I will judge people. Like when I see like those videos of like I don't remember what YouTube channel does it is, but it's like it shows like twenty or like fifty people of like showing how they try to like I don't know like cut open a watermelon or like or or like i don't know something that's like even even more basic than that and it's just like people not knowing how to do it like what is that one food network show like worst cooks in america (laughs) oh my god that one that one scene where it's like that lady cutting open an avocado but by slices like through this through the pit and it's like are you kidding me like is that is that not innate (laughs) <laughs> okay but it is impressive that she cut through the seed yeah it's like you had to have a lot of <laughs> a lot of strength for that yeah who who cut you off today shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah like people being picky like i'll i've seen i don't know if you guys also watch um send foods with like timothy delegato and david so they now have like guests on and guests will bring their own food they recently brought on um What's his name? Nade Shot from uh from One Hundred Thieves, and he was like, "I hate cheese. I'm a basic person. Like, I'm just like, oh no, sir, sir, please, no." How do you hate cheese? He's like, "I hate the smell of it. It smells like feet." And I was like, "Bro, like, that's the point." Yeah. The stinkier the cheese, the better, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just maybe in part that I'm Asian and specifically Filipino that I grew up eating everything grew up knowing that you shouldn't be picky about anything it it pisses me off like and i like i will there are some people where i'm just like why why are you like this i think that's kind of like what you were saying like dylan was just like people like not knowing how to cook but i think like along with that because like i learned to cook like at a pretty like late age because like I, I don't know my parents just never had it as like a priority as it for like me to cook they're always just like you know focus on your school you don't gotta worry about like housework or whatever or it turned into like you know hey mom can you teach me like how to make this meal and then she's like all right I'll show you how to do it and then she ends up like cooking the whole thing herself and she's like all right that's how you do it and I'm like (laughs) how am I supposed to copy that okay and like that's literally how she would just like teach but like it doesn't piss me off like people don't know how to cook but like if people don't want to learn I think that's just like what pisses oh me off. Oh my god! More. When they're like, "Oh, like you know, that's just a thing," or like, "We you can always just like order out," you know, or they're like, "Yeah, like I don't know how to cook, whatever. All I can cook is just like you know, top ramen or whatever." And like they're fine with that. That's what pisses me off, like, and that's just like, 
you know what like that's doing that's just doing to your body like that's like something that we do like in college but it's like that shouldn't be like that's like a last resort type shit like that's not something you want to keep doing for the rest of your life you know the bare I mean? minimum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. minimum bare yep. minimum that's a good point <laughs> now that i think about it i don't i don't know i can't pinpoint pet peeves but definitely my first set of roommates and i think it's just kitchen etiquette cleaning up after yourself i know this is maybe not oh my god peeves, but like, oh yeah um I understand being like you said, Bryn, like, you know, you're you're maybe for people, it's their first time being independent. Um, but it's just like, don't leave your fast food there or don't leave your half eaten plate there or learn how to clean some dishes, learn how to clean or like, don't uh, just put some water and dish soap into a pan, swirl it around, dump it out and call it a day. <sighs> uh, you know, who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people kind of just refusing to learn how to cook. I don't know, I've always been very fascinated by food and just food networking in general. So it's like something that I've always wanted to do. But same thing, it's like my parents didn't really teach me. But I don't know how to phrase it. I, it's it's like when you're living in an apartment with people and then like, I, I think it does come back to what you said, Dylan, about efficiency. It's watching other people cook and then it's just like, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm no like expert on cooking, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're supposed to do with the chicken breast. And it should, it should not be raw. <laughs> when you're done cooking it or like a lot of other things yeah i don't know it's it's there's just some basic things that aren't taught or passed on and it's like how do we and then the other other i guess the question comes to mind is like how do people learn this stuff if some of these things i don't know maybe maybe it wasn't accessible because sometimes i find students who don't know how to use a microwave and i'm like are you kidding me like just you warm up your your tea with the buttons but then i'm like okay that could be kind of messed up if they don't have a microwave at home yeah, this, or that, that it's it's a, it's common knowledge not to put any metal into a microwave. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I think it's also surprising how like uh, when you all mentioned like frying an egg, like some people just don't know how to boil water. Mm-hmm. It's like I know. Oh my god. <laughs> or when is something boiling? Oh when god. do you take out a boiling egg or something? All of these basics, it's like where can we learn them? Because they took out home ec. So it's like bring back. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I was that was actually gonna go into my next question is what's your advice for at home cooks or like people who wanna learn how to cook or like you know, bi- like basic things. And I'm pretty sure you can just plug your, your cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a cookbook coming out, but like a lot of like when I started just to cook for survival was just me watching videos. YouTube, you can learn fucking anything. Like I learned how to play guitar on YouTube. I learned how to glove on YouTube like crazy. Amazing uh, lights. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but yeah, I it's it is time consuming to like when you're learning and you're gonna fail way more than you're gonna succeed. I've always been someone who enjoys that process, but you can't expect fast results, especially when it comes to cooking. And you have to be very patient. That's another pet peeve of mine is people who aren't patient when they're like cooking. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's like it's just you need to be patient and like you have to take the time to like learn how to do these things and once you especially for me it was more seeing it than being told how to do it like frying an egg it's very visual mm-hmm. a lot of cooking is actually very visual unless it's like waiting for like a steak to be ready and like cooking it and like yeah guessing for... if the yeah inside's all pink or whatever yeah exactly but yeah it's being patient knowing you're gonna fail but with my cookbook, I'm going to teach you all how to do that. We're going to have, like, I have, like, a lot of photography, like, shoots lined up. Um, 
I'm talking to a couple people who've like written cookbooks and like edited them before, so then it's more like clear. Yeah, we're all, I dude, I'm I'm ready to drop money. <laughs> <laughs> There's like such a beauty in the learning process, especially when it comes to cooking, because even if you burn the shit out of whatever you're making, <laughs> there is still like a learning aspect, like why did it go that way? Like yeah. if you have and if you know you're one of those people who doesn't waste food, then you can try it and see where did things go wrong. Why does it align with what you you were expecting? Cooking is such such like a long term learning process that if you're gonna spend your time doing it, you might as well just have fun with it and invest yourself into it. I I also hate those people who are like impatient when it comes to cooking. Like it's just high heat all of the time, and then expecting something to come out of it like real quick. Like no, some things need to be like you know low and slow, or like at a medium like heat or yeah, like with steak, you're just gonna have to, you know, be patient. And it is like a very visual thing where like, you see this side's done. It's been like two, three minutes, flip it to the other side. And then, you know, let it rest after. I hate people who yeah. cut right into a steak right okay. then and there. Rest your fucking steaks. <laughs> yeah. Swear to God. <laughs> like... it's, a, it's a lot of like little things. And what I love about being an at-home cook is that what I've learned by doing things so many times like making pasta or like making like certain like filipino food is that you can take certain aspects of like say like making a roux you can you can apply that to like so many other things and it makes cooking even easier because you picked up these like tips or like these i don't know connections between recipes or whatever it just makes it all that easier and the realization that you're learning all the more like fulfilling i just want to Cap it off with a very lighthearted question. What's your favorite meal or food? Either get like getting takeout or ordering a restaurant or like making it. Definitely seasick. Seasick mm. or dinner one mm. for sure. I think it just like brings back a lot of good memories as like from my childhood and like just eating things like that. But which is also why I really love cooking and food is because something so temporary gives you so much like joy. Like if they can bring it, if it can bring you back to the like specific moments in your life, like it's the ratatouille moment, you know. We've had a food episode oh. before, and I've had my answer on there, but that <clears throat> food moment that Dylan was talking about from ratatouille, and it might just be because I had some today. Uh, I had some dim sum today with my family, and we went to go see like my my dad's sister, my aunt, and my grandpa and stuff. This is like my Chinese side of the family. And just being around the table again, I don't know what it is about dim sum because it's all just like little foods and everything. And each dish has its own like flavor. And it just, it's all things that I haven't had in a long time. And they all just triggered like, man, like I just miss going to Chinatown with my family on some random Sunday, go out to the city. And it's, it's, that's the thing about dim sum. You're sitting at a round table and you're all just community, you know, you're all reaching into it together. Like the food is literally bringing us together because we're passing it around and, and everything. And that just reminded me, like, man, I miss eating with my family. Like, uh, I think it could this could be COVID induced, but that nostalgic moment of experiencing that today was like, wow, I didn't realize how much I missed this. It it was delicious. Like that kind of eating is my favorite. Like communal eating when you're all sitting at a table, passing around food. Like home style restaurants are my favorite because it's just like you serve each other, you serve yourself, or like um, Kamayan feast. You're eating with your hands on with food, like just on banana leaves. Like, it doesn't get more intimate than that. And, like, spending quality time, ugh, the best.
Definitely, it's like a favorite for me and in my family. We have this one restaurant, this ramen restaurant. I mean, like I've always recommended it to you, Aya, or like anyone else in SoCal. But um, it's Shinsengumi here in SoCal. You can find it in Rosemead. You can find it in Little Tokyo. Um, it is a great place for anyone in SoCal. I totally recommend it. But it for ramen, it has always been like our favorite place to go to, just cause like one, like the staff is so friendly, right? But two. There's just something about their ramen that's just so simplistic and it's like not overdone, but it's still like the most like like delicious like tasting. And that's like what like attracted us to it like to it so much. Like you don't need to add like all the toppings. You don't need to add like all the spices to it. All all you need is just like your broth, your noodles, chasu, green onions, some ginger maybe. That's it. You don't need to add anything else. And it's just ramen and it's just you're there with good people you're there with like great staff and that just makes the whole experience better and it, it's like at that point where like we go to like every other like ramen place and we have to compare it to shinsen and still nothing has come close to like beating it in all of my like what is it 2021 so like ever since like my 14 years of like knowing that restaurant nothing has beaten it yet and like that's just like something amazing like for me for like at home cooking i mean a favorite of mine is probably definitely like my mom's dinola like she just makes it like good like every single time it's always just like a comfort food for me in general but also whenever we would visit my lola in new york every single time we go over there she always prepares sinigang but with salmon best tasting shit hell yeah in the world so good and it's just like that whole you know feeling of just like she always does it whenever we go visit her and just that feeling of just like coming home and she's just there and she just wants to like cater to us and you know and when you have it you can tell it's like it's what's nice is that like with those like um home meals you just know it's like made with like lots of love and like care and like you know like that's your meal and so I feel like nothing can beat that. Uh, for me, it's definitely pupusas. <laughs> Gourmet pupusas outside of Kogi Kogi. <laughs> Bad, bro. I mean, pupusas are just the way to go, man. Those, that's my country's, like, national food. And it's also just something that I've eaten in many different fashions of prep. From my grandma, my mom, my tia Esperanza before she passed away. She made a business off doing pupusa catering like she'd make 80 to 100 at a time it's something simple but it there's an art to it because it's really just masa rolling you're just fucking around with flour and you're just molding it into like these a lot of people like to call them thick cornbreads they pretty much are if you use the correct flour there's really only like one or two brands of masa that we use to make pupusas consistently and so it's fun to know how to make them because they're simple, but it's what you can put inside them is what makes them fire. And then on top of that, you top it off with, we have this cabbage slaw we call curtido, which I hate when my friend Robert calls it coleslaw because it's not fucking coleslaw. It's fucking curtido. Coleslaw has mayo. Curtido has vinegar. Here's a difference. 
it's just funny because yeah, it's practically that. And you just mix vinegar. All right. It's vinegar and cabbage. All right. <laughs> Get it right. And then you mix that shit with some red sauce. Yeah, you can you can do whatever you want with that shit. There's there's a couple spots near my house where I'm at. And there's also a spot in the mission that I used to go to all the time in SF. And I planned on taking a bunch of people there because that was my wreck, but then pandemic started. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're probably open. They probably allow people to sit in now. So For me, I can eat longanisa. Yeah, you can. Every oh. day of my life. <laughs> longanisa, longanisa egg and rice. And I like mm, I like yes, put like two, two, three eggs in my rice. I want it super yolky. And the way that yes, there's two, there's two different ways that I was used to eating it. Like the way that my late grandma made, um, she would just like boil it and then like it would still be like super encased. So all the juices would be inside. So then when I crack it open, all the it would just spill everywhere. My mom does like the like low and slow type of like cooking it so that um, when she had released juices, it like coagulates into this like nice thick sauce thing. And then I also like having like toyo and some tomatoes in like a little bowl and just eating like that. Oh, so good. I talk about Koki Koki all the time. It's like my favorite K barbecue spot in SF. Talk about it all the time. I'm cool with like the odor and like the workers and everything. Talk yeah. Down here in SoCal, I mean I, it's a chain, but it's like a bougie chain. And like my family's kinda bougie and they've also been going here for like thirty years. What? Uh it's a Laurie's prime rib. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that shit like that? is fire. It is, but goddamn. <laughs> we we would for for as long as I remember, we've been like we would go there like several times a year. Like for we went recently for Mother's Day. We would always go for my birthday. Yeah, just for as long as I remember, we just going there, getting the California cut, have it watching like the servers like spin the the bowl on the ice and like make salad and everything. Their Yorkshire pudding, cream corn, cream spinach, and then and then they have this thing in like the front part of the restaurant is that you can just get some meatballs and chips as you're waiting to get seated. It's such an experience that I love going, like experiencing like at least once a year. I love it. With that, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Wine Thursday podcast. Shout out to Dylan, Chef Dylan, for coming on. It was really fun. Um, thank you for having me. When we brought up the idea of like you coming on as a guest, I was like, yes, come on, I'm ready. Because it's, it's just so fun to talk about food with somebody. Like I have, I like can talk for hours and hours on end about it. Hey yo, but where, where, where can I catch you on Twitch? Yeah, shout out your Twitch, yeah. man. Uh, you can catch me at Chef Dylan, but the A is a four. On Twitch, uh-huh, uh-huh. you can find me on Instagram. My food Instagram is sacrilicious.food on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, That's hot. Again, shout out your future cookbook. Yeah, so uh, my cookbook, it, I want it to come out in the next year, anywhere between six months and year. It's going to be titled uh, Cooking for the Absolute Dipshit, The Beginner's Guide to Badass Home Cookery. Yeah, dude. It's gonna I love be super that sick. Oh. I'm really excited. I'll um, copy. All the homies will get free copies. I don't give a shit. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I'll cop one. But, uh, Can you make one called Sacrilicious, too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I'm gonna start another thing because I'm I'm working on uh, some THC fused infused cuisine. Uh, I'm gonna ask you about that. Bong appetit, man. Yes, that is that was my gateway drug to <laughs> THC infused cooking. The cookbook is super sick. The show is absolutely awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna start doing that. So look out for that. Oh man. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in. I guess since we mentioned Twitch, shout out our Twitch, our old Twitch channels again. So, uh, you can find me at Aya Papaya, uh, three A's at the end. Uh, I literally play whatever. I also drink on stream. So, I'm at Avery Balls Balls underscore Baby Bangs with two G's and a Z. And you can find me at X underscore Mars Bars underscore X. You can check out our previous episodes of Wine Thursday on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And you can join our Discord, talk about like our episodes, suggest topic suggestions, possibly be a guest on our next uh, episode. Yeah. With that, cheers. 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 cheers.